Welcome to the Rhodes Church Podcast. We are so excited to connect with you. We hope that this podcast builds your faith and that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. The title of the message today <laughs> is Kingdom Culture. And so uh, if you got your Bibles, here at the Rhodes, we get excited about the Bible. Why? Because we believe it is the ultimate truth that we, ex- we have in our life. So uh, Rhodes family, E-Rhodes family, Mount Carmel, North City. Come on, let's get our Bibles out today. Let's get excited about what God has to say. Let's open them up to Matthew chapter 13. Woo! Yes, Matthew chapter 13. Sermon notes are available for you there in the worship guide or on the E-Version Bible app. Kingdom Culture is the title of the talk today, part two. What is culture? According to Webster's Dictionary, culture is a set of shared attitudes, values, goals, and practices that characterize a society, institution, or organization. Attitudes, values, and goals, and practices. So I believe there are a set, there are a set of these attitudes, values, goals, and practices that match the culture of the kingdom of heaven. And there are a set of attitudes, values, and goals that match the culture of the kingdoms of the world. So we have the culture of the world versus the culture of the kingdom of heaven. And those two things are in operation regularly. Remember when Satan took Jesus up onto the high mountain and tempted him? And the Bible says that he showed him all the kingdoms of the world, right? And he offered them to Jesus. Uh, But our Bible says that the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our God. And so I'm just wanting to highlight the difference between the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom culture, and Satan's counterculture. I want you to know that Satan has a counterculture to the kingdom of heaven culture. And this is what he's trying to sell us on. And what I think this is important to emphasize too. Satan's counterculture, when we talk about Satan's culture and Satan wants you to adopt his culture, many people think that his goal is to get you to worship him. That is not the goal of the satanic counterculture. It is not to get you to worship Satan. His goal is get you and I to believe that we can live without God. It's been his goal from the very beginning when he came to Adam and Eve in the garden. He didn't say, hey guys, bow down and worship me. He just began to get them to question what God said and he got them not to point to him, he got them to point to themselves. God doesn't, Satan doesn't want you to worship him. He wants you to worship you. And when you worship you, you've adopted his culture. Because what did he do? He wanted the worship for himself. It's how he gets us fooled. Because we think think we're only wrong when we're worshiping Satan. No, no, no. We've we've left the kingdom culture and adopted the satanic culture when we begin to worship ourselves. When we think we can live without God. And that's what he wants to get us to believe. He wants to get young people to believe this. You get raised in church and then you come into your late teen years going into college and you begin to get some ideology that, you know what, maybe that's not for me and I got some freedom and decisions and I think I can live without God. I don't have to go to church. I don't need to go to church. We're adopting, right, falling right into satanic trap of embracing his culture that I don't need God as long as I have a good job and got enough money, I can get everything I need. 
pretty, pretty strong for an introduction. <laughs> but this is what happens. As long as I have a good enough job and I can take care of myself and buy what I want when I want, why do I need God? Satanic culture. I take care of me. Kingdom culture. I can't breathe without you. That's the difference. That's the difference. All right, so let's get into this. Matthew chapter 13. Which culture are we going to adopt? Culture of the kingdom of heaven or the culture of give me some me? Verse, uh, let me jump to verse 3. I just need to save some time and those two verses will just bog me down, I'm sure. Then he spoke many things to them in parables saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow and as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them, but others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? He answered and said to them, Because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it has not been given For whoever has, to him more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Let's just pray over the word. Father, thank you so much for your word. Holy Spirit, I invite you to come and just breathe life into it. Speak truth to us, Lord. We do want to have an ear to hear what you're saying to us today. So open blind eyes, open deaf ears, God, that we can hear truth today. And hear what you want us to do. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. amen. All right, so now look in verse 11. It says, talks about the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. So quickly, I want to remind you, what is the kingdom of heaven? We talk about kingdom of heaven. Most of the time people think about the place of heaven up there and going there. But the word kingdom in the Greek means royalty, realm, or an area ruled by a king. So yes, it can be an area ruled by the king, talking about heaven, but he not only rules heaven above, but he rules the earth and beneath, he rules everywhere. But it comes from the root word that means the bottom or the foundational principal components of something. So when you say kingdom of heaven, I want you to think with me. I want you to begin to change the way you think when I see and read kingdom of heaven, because in chapter 13, we're going to see this a lot. Whenever I see kingdom of heaven, I want you to think the foundational principal components of heaven or the system of heaven or the culture of heaven. When you read kingdom of heaven, I want you to think about the culture of heaven, the system of heaven, how heaven operates, okay? That's what we want to think about. And it says there are mysteries of the foundational principles of heaven that's been given to us to know. So if we believe heaven is a great place, right? A lot of people talk about heaven. Everybody wants to go to heaven. I don't know a lot of people that say, I don't want to be there. I don't want to go there. Heaven's a great place. Even for people that don't believe, they still say, well, if there is one, I want to go there. So if the kingdom of heaven are the foundational components or principles of the system that heaven's run by, If we like heaven and we like what's going on in heaven and we all want to go there after we die, why would we not want to bring that system and principles and foundational components into the earth and operate with it while we're here? Can we do both? Can we operate in the system of heaven while we're on the earth? I didn't say can it be exactly like heaven, but Jesus did tell us to pray, did he not? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
That's what he said. So let's see how we can do that. Look at Matthew 13 here. Jesus uses seven parables to describe this system of heaven. Seven parables. We're just on the first one. This could take us a while. Let's go to verse 3. Behold, a sower went out to sow. Here's the first thing about the kingdom of heaven, the system of heaven. Behold, a sower went out, next two words, went out. No. Yeah, yeah, all right. See, when I say next two words, that means you go ahead and say those two words. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't prep you on that one. So I want you to get with me. I want to make sure you're getting this. Behold, a sower went out to sow. To sow. So the sower didn't go out to see. The sower didn't go out to say, let's see what happens. The sower didn't go out to just say, well, you never know. The sower went out. Those approaches are reactive approaches. Well, let's just see what happens. How many times do we say this? Well, let's wait and see what happens. In the kingdom culture, the sower goes out with a purpose. The sower goes out proactively, not reactively. It says the sower goes out to sow. To sow. That's why he goes out. I go out to sow. We got to realize that's what God's telling us in the kingdom. When you go out into something, you don't go by what you see. You go by what you're sowing. So what does it mean to sow? Remember, I gave you this word. It means to place or scatter seeds in the ground for a future growth. So again, in this kingdom, we're doing something now that will change what we're experiencing later. The sower goes out to sow. So here's the question. Are we continually reacting to the culture we're experiencing around us, or are we being proactive to change the culture? If you don't like your friend's group and what's happening, are you sowing into it to change it, or are you just complaining about it? If you don't like the atmosphere at work, are you saying, oh, I just hate it here at work? Are you reacting to what happens at work, or are you proactively sowing into it? The kingdom culture says we go out to sow. If you don't want to like what's happening in your relationships, whether it be marriage or kids or parents or whatever, what are you doing to change the culture around us? This is what we deal with a lot of times in our life. We just like to tell it like it is. Or we say this phrase, it is what it is. We know it so well. It is what it is. What does that mean? We're not sowing, we're just reacting. This may be what I'm facing today, so I'm e I can either say this is all that I'm going to have, or I'm going to sow into what I see so I can experience something different. Yes. That's the kingdom culture. Yes. They go out to sow. All right, so let's jump ahead. I talked about the uh, wayside seed uh, last time, so you can watch last week. So let's jump to verse 5. Verse 5, some seed, we're talking about, some seed fell on stony places where they did have much earth. And they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. So notice what it says, some fell on what kind of places? On stony, on stony places. Stony places, what, are, what do stony places mean? This is a word in the Greek that just means simply a thin layer of soil with bedrock or larger rocks just beneath. So stony places, this is an area where it looks good on the surface, but if you go down just a smidge, there's some junk underneath. It looks like good soil on the surface 
what everybody else can see, it looks like they got their life all together. Looks like everything's going well. Oh, I wish I could be like them. But if you dig a little bit below the surface, now be careful, we're not talking about them. We're talking about we. But here's, here's the problem. Here's a, an incorrect way to interpret Scripture, and it happens all the time. I do it, you do it. If we're not careful, we will broad brush stroke our whole life in one area. In other words, this breaks down into good soil or stony places. So you can either, here's an error on both ditches we can get into. If I get into the ditch that I think that uh, I don't want to think I'm a stony heart person, because remember, stony places talking about the condition of our heart. And if I want to think it's totality, then I don't want to say, oh, I, I don't have stony places. I, I, I want to concentrate on all my good places. And so I, I don't want to agree that I have any bad places in my life. So I negate the areas where I have rocks and issues and I just focus on the good parts. We do broad brushstrokes like we think we got to be all good or all stony. It's not like that. There's some areas of my life where I have some stony places. There's rocks I need to dig up. They're called blind spots. We've all got them. So then you've got good. So you can either be so focused on your good soil that you don't pay attention to your stony places or the other ditch we get into, and man, this is another one, we get so focused on our stony places that we condemn ourselves and beat ourselves up and we never appreciate the good soil that we have in other areas of our life. Don't get caught up in either ditch. Realize that there's some areas of your life you are crushing it. That's a good thing. That's a compliment. You're doing good. You're like, is that bad? You're doing good. You're awesome. You're knocking it out of the park. Whatever analogy you want to do, you're excelling in that. But there's some areas of your life you may have some rocks that you need to dig up. And neither one identifies you in totality. I am not my best days, nor am I my worst days. I'm a combination of all of that, a work in progress. All right, so that was just freebie to throw in there. So now let's look at this. Stony places. Looks good on the surface. I just want to say that because I feel like some people think that we're talking about somebody else. That it looks good on the surface, but underneath they got rocks and issues. And so that's everybody else but me. For those of you who are hearing that in your head right now, I am with you. That you think you're the only one in the room that underneath the surface that you don't have any rock, that you got some rocks. Look to your right, your left, and your front and back. Stony places all around you. That doesn't mean we're bad, and I'm not talking about that everybody's just willfully living in sin. I'm not talking about that. I, we'll, we'll explain what that means, but I'm just talking about don't feel isolated in this moment. Yes. All right, so some fell on stony places where they didn't have much earth. And what happens in the stony place? They immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. They immediately sprang up. Now, let's look at the example or the, defini- or the ex- explanation, rather, sorry, in verse 20. Jump down to verse 20 says, but he received seed on stony places. This is he or she who hears the word and look at the response. Immediately, they sprang up in verse 6. Immediately, they receive it with joy. This is when a person initially hears what the word says, hears what God wants to do in their life. Someone gives a testimony. Someone comes along and encourages them, tells them what God wants to do. And they grab hold of that word and they respond immediately with joy and go, yes, 
I want that to happen. How many of us have ever had that happen in our life where we got excited about what we heard God wants to do in our life in the beginning and man, we were pumped, excited, yes, yes, it's going to happen, yes. But then time goes by. Have you ever got excited about something in one stage and then later your excitement went from a level 10 to a level level negative 5 because it didn't work out in the time frame you thought it would work out. And the same testimonies that once encouraged you now make you mad. Who am I talking to? E-Rhodes family, I guess it's you. See, once upon a time, the testimonies that got, yes, that can be me. They go for it, I reach out, I believe it, but then something happens, time goes by, and those same testimonies start to bring more bitterness because you haven't seen it happen in the time frame that you wanted to see it happen. I'm with you. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking about myself. See, we got to stay encouraged. So we, we, if we don't have a lot of, if we don't have any depth of earth, if we got these stony places, this is what happens. So what's the cause? Why is it springing up, causing problems? We got excited in the beginning, but there's a problem. Here's the problem, verse 6. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. Sun came up. They were excited. They were pumped. They were looking forward to it. It's going to be good, man. God's going to move. I can't wait to see it. Things are going to turn around. Things are going to be different. Then the sun came up. Look at verse 21, because in verse 20, they received it with joy. They were excited. They were at church on Sunday, but yeah. Tuesday's coming. Yeah. Come You're going to go back to the office tomorrow. Yeah. You got a doctor's appointment on Thursday. Yeah. I'm just trying to be as real as we can that we can be excited in here. There's no other name. <laughs> and then they got to go to work on Monday. And there's lots of other names. Huh? <laughs> Help him, Jesus. So here's what happens. Here's the word we get excited on Sunday, but verse 21 comes. But yet, if he has no root in himself, the sun comes up, they get scorched because they have no root. Verse 21 has no root in himself, but endures only. For a while. No root in himself. What's a root do? The root is the fundamental part of the plant that, catch, catch this, absorbs nutrients from its surroundings. The root absorbs nutrients from its surroundings. So what you're surrounded by feeds you. That's what roots do. Where you put your roots, you get your nourishment from. So it's telling me that a plant has roots. So this is the part of the plant that does three things. It feeds the plant, stabilizes the plant, and sustains the plant. So here's the problem. I got excited about the word, but I got a problem. I had no root in myself, it says. Your Bible says in himself. I first read that. I'm thinking, in himself? That's not right. His root should be in Jesus. But here's what God was saying. In himself is locating the source, but not identifying the source. It's it's saying where the source is, but it's not saying who the source is. 
The, the, the source is in me. The source is not of me. So the root, I'm just getting excited because I know what God's doing. So the root has no root in himself. So it's, it's in me. It's a location. It's, it's the part that feeds me. It's the part that stabilizes or sustains me. So here's the question. Is the part that feeds, stabilizes, and sustains you, that root, is it in you or is it on the outside of you? Are your roots, and this is a question we got to ask all the time, are the roots the things that are feeding me, sustaining me, and supporting me? Are my roots in other people's opinions? Are they external? Are they in circumstances? Or are they internal? If we're not careful, we get our root system in the applause and the approval and the affirmation and the stuff of people, and all my roots are dug out there in people and circumstances that I can't control. And then when they dry up, what feeds me, stabilizes me, and sustains me, all of a sudden is gone. I have no root system, and I can't stay the course. He says, if you have no root in yourself, Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 says this. As you, therefore, have received Christ Jesus the Lord, as you have received, not your neighbor, not your mom, not your dad, not your kids, not nobody else, not your preacher, As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted, 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 and built up in, we got to try it again, verse 7, rooted and built up in, 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 in him. We're rooted and built up in him, in him. In him who? It's in him is Jesus. Where is Jesus? Christ Jesus in you, the hope of glory. The Holy Spirit not only be with you, but will be in you. So no root in myself doesn't mean my support system is Chad. That means Christ is in me and I'm rooted and built up in him. You have to have it for yourself. You have to have this in yourself. You have to have a relationship for yourself. Firmly planted. So as you receive Christ for yourself, Get rooted and built up in him so that when everybody else leaves you, bails on you, fails you, you're not rooted in them. Don't be rooted in me. I'm a human being that could fail you tomorrow. Get rooted in him. Because if I fail you, if if you're rooted in me and I fail you, then your nourishment's gonna dry up and poof, there you go. This is what happens. People get too attached And I I realize how it can happen, so I don't want to spend a lot of time with a lot of disclaimers. But I'm just saying, don't be rooted in me. Be rooted in Jesus. Rooted and built up in him. Don't be rooted in external things. Be rooted in internal things. That's what God's telling us to do. Get Get our source from him. Because if we don't do this, we're going to get rooted in other people. So let me use illustration so quickly. Like, um, uh, I don't want to say it. I like how I try to pull these illustrations just out of my head, and then I got to think about all the things that I don't want to say incorrectly and run them around the track and all that. So I use this first, I'll use myself. I was going to go with something else, but I think this works best. So let's just say I want to make a change in my life and be a better husband. Then I can't just have the idea I want to be a better husband. I have to get rooted in myself. Because what's going to feed, stabilize, and sustain the growth of the new me 
is not going to be something external, but it's got to be something internal. Mistake I can make, if I get rooted in being a better husband and I put a few strands of roots over in Dawn's reaction to my changes. Dawn's my wife, for those of you who don't know. Just making sure clearing that up. So if she doesn't respond to my changes the way I think she should, and I'm feeding, stabilized, and sustained by her response, then the Bible says I will only endure for a while. I won't do it because it says that word endure is a different Greek word. It's not the normal one we talk about, about being patient, enduring. It's a word that literally means to be something, to exist. So the idea like this, how I'm breaking down, make it simple for me, is that I cannot become that husband if my root system is not in Jesus internally. If it's in someone else, then external things will begin to affect the feeding, the stabilizing, the sustaining of what I'm trying to be. So I will only be that as long as she affirms that, and the moment she doesn't, then I'll fall right back into my old habits and be what I was. So this is why he says we gotta be rooted internally. It's because we wanna endure Because so... So you get excited, but you don't have any root in yourself. What happens? But endures only for a while. For when tribulation and persecution arises, tribulation and persecution arises. So when the so you're doing good, you're excited about what God's going to do and about the changes you're wanting to make in your life and the habits you're wanting to break and all that. But then, but all of a sudden, the the tribulation and the persecution, which is external things begin to arise. So we, we start out excited about what God's going to do, and then all of a sudden, Glenn Fry starts singing in your head, the heat is on. It's on the street. It's inside your head at every beat. <laughs> Tell me, can you feel it? Tell me, can you feel it? Tell me, can you feel it? The heat is on. What I'm saying is, the heat's going to come to test your decision to make a change in your life. The heat's coming. And this is what he's saying here. It says the sun comes up over in verse 6, and then it says tribulation and persecution arises. What's tribulation and persecution? Tribulation is pressure and oppression, suffering. That sounds fun. What is Persecution. It's when someone actually pursues or chases you or systematically organizes a program to oppress people to renounce their beliefs. So what's happening? I want you to see something in this verse that maybe has not jumped out at you before. Maybe it has in verse 21, yet has no root in himself. He heard the word of the kingdom, was excited about making a change, excited about believing God for this, but the sun came up and all of a sudden, tribulation, pressure, stress, suffering comes, and now a systematic plan to get me to change my belief arises, next four words, because of the, oh, maybe you didn't see that. Why did tribulation and persecution arise? It does not say because of the devil. 
Tribulation and persecution arises because of the because of the word. So the word caused tribulation and persecution to arise. Here's what some people believe. I've ran into this a lot. People said, Chad, I've tried. Every time I try to get closer to God, my life just goes to pot. All hell breaks loose. So their solution is this. I'll solve that. I just won't get close to God. And they really think that's the answer. Because every time I go to church and I start trying to get close to God, all hell breaks loose and I don't want any of that junk in my life. So I'm just going to go back to mediocrity and compromise so I don't have to deal with that. That's the tribulation and the pressure arising because of the word. The devil is after the word. He's not after your emotions. He's not after your feelings. He's after the word. Why is he after the word? Because he knows it is incorruptible seed that he cannot, he cannot stop it from producing what God wants to do in your life. He's after the word. The pressure, the systematic approach to get you to not believe that anymore. So I'm believing God for something. I'm trusting. I'm standing on the word. This is what I'm trusting what God's going to do. All of a sudden it doesn't happen the way I want it to happen when I want it to happen. So what is he doing? He's trying to pressure you and push you into changing your beliefs that maybe God doesn't want to do that for you. That's pressure and tribulation. Trying to rob you of your expectation that God wants to do what he said he will do. How many times have I said this to myself? I've tried that, and it didn't work. Tried that. I've done that before. I prayed, I stood, I prayed, I stood, I spoke, and it didn't work. So what am I going to do? What else am I going to do? What else? I'm just going to keep believing God. I'm going to keep believing. I'm going to keep expecting God's going to stand by his word. And this is what the enemy's plan is, to try and get us through tribulation and persecution because of the word to cause us to stumble. That word stumble just means to trip up, cease believing what is right and begin to believe what is false. So now here's something I want you to understand this. That's why I feel like God's speaking to me. Sustain growth in an area of your life. Remember, don't broad brush stroke. Think compartmentalize. Because there's areas of my life that I've got good soil, I'm receiving, I'm producing great. And I am certain there are areas of my life that I've got some rocks that I need to dig up. Here's some of the rocks that you may be thinking about you might need to dig up. Rocks of shame, unforgiveness of yourself or others, regret, anger, offense, bitterness, fear, insecurity, all these can be rocks underneath the surface that we've put away because sometimes things happen in our life and we like to bury them and we cover them over with good-looking topsoil. We pretty our life up on the outside and we say, we don't talk about those things. Just look at me. Look at me. Everything's going great. And under the surface, there are rocks. Maybe rocks that you didn't put there. Maybe rocks that other people put there. And the only way you knew to deal with them was to put topsoil over the top of them. But I'm telling you, the healer wants to come and dig those things up and get them out of the way so you can produce the life that God wants you to produce. Sometimes we put them there. Sometimes we bury issues and we cover them over and we say, out of sight, out of mind. 
I don't want to think about it anymore. I'm over it. I'm over it. I'm over it. I'm not over it. I'm over it. I'm over it. I'm over it. Your rocks tend to want to move to the surface. Right? You can bury some, but over time, I don't know how it is, but these rocks just all of a sudden start showing up. What is that? That's old issues that if we don't deal with them, they're going to show their face again. And I believe the Bible says this, to confess your faults one to another that you may be healed. What is that talking about? I believe those are rocks that God wants to dig out of our life, not to bring shame to us, but to bring healing to us. He wants to dig that thing up and say, hey, see, it's gone. Cast into the sea of forgetfulness. Let's move forward. He's got something he wants to do in our life. The Bible says in Ezekiel chapter 36, listen to this verse, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. This is a prophetic word for somebody today who wants to receive it. He who has an ear or she who has ear to hear, let him hear this. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. Then you shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers and you shall be my people and I will be your God. This is a word of the Lord, what he wants to do. So today there's two applications to the message. Two specifically that I'm going to highlight. You can apply it however the Lord deals with you. But number one, what is your root system in? And what I'm going to ask the Lord to show us, and I want you to have this heart today that you're willing to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to show you stony places. Show you stony places and show you places where you've got roots in the wrong thing. Maybe you've got roots in your career. Roots in your financial status. and There's nothing wrong with money. That's not, not the issue. We're not preaching against money. It's the love or the root in money that is the problem. It's not, it's not to feed me, sustain me, or stabilize me. Other people, maybe you've got some roots in the opinion of others. This is one I have to work with and deal with constantly is worrying about what other people think. So I have to keep my roots out of people. I got to keep my roots in what is God telling me to do. Because it's easy to gravitate towards likes and followers and attendance and whatever. Return customers to your business. I got to do whatever I can to make sure people keep coming back. Careful. Careful. Some customers you may need to let go. Well, I need, I need their, you don't need their, you need him. You need him. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit us at theroads.church. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch our latest sermons.